Hey friends, it's Corey Andrew Powell here, letting you know it's time to treat yourself with an exclusive Motivational Mondays deal at the NSLS shop. Listeners get 20% off shop-wide with the code MONDAYS. That's M-O-N-D-A-Y-S. Need a new coffee tumbler? Or perhaps you want to keep it classy with a new hardcover notebook? Well, get them on sale. Listen, with this deal, I'm tempted to trade in my bow tie collection for one of those cute NSLS hoodies. And don't forget, use code MONDAYS at checkout. That's M-O-N-D-A-Y-S. Enjoy that 20% off at shop.nsls.org. And stay motivated, leaders. Stay motivated. Hey, hey, I am Corey Andrew Powell, and I'm joined today by Jamie Giovanazzo, founder and owner of Eat Clean Bro, a healthy prepared food brand on a mission to change lives in obesity and simply give people nutritional options to better themselves. Jamie, welcome to Motivational Mondays. Man, I'm so excited to be here. I'm ready to get motivating. <laughs> well, we're happy you're here too. And like uh, I was talking to you a little bit before we started recording, I know of your product. I'm from Jersey. I remember when you started actually, uh, and my partner actually had bought some meals and he lost weight with your your product. So I know they work. I'm not giving you a, a commercial, but I, I witnessed it. So I will give you that. But to begin with, you know, here on Motivational Mondays, we often, we talk about people who have turned a passion into a career. So before we begin to talk about your business, I want to talk about, you started off teen bodybuilder and you developed a passion for food and fitness. So just share a little bit about what you learned during that time about eating clean and how it transformed your body. I think my passion it has been with me my entire life so you know i think i knew knew there i was different i don't know if i was like three or four years old but like we would my mom you know i didn't like come from a lot of money so like we would go to the chinese buffet and that was like the nice night out Mm. i would just notice everything at the restaurant i would notice the hostess the bartender the waiter the bus boy And I just don't think those are things like four-year-olds pick up on. And then as my childhood progressed, like when my dad would take me to the Outback, I started paying attention to like the wait times. Then my parents would ask me like, oh, what do you think about going to the Outback on Friday night? And I'd be like, oh, no, you know, at this time, it's probably going to take you like two and a half hours to get a table. (laughs) And then like they wouldn't believe me because I was a baby. And then they roll up to Outback and they're like, all right, sir, uh, you're on the wait. uh, Just so you know, the wait's two and a half hours. And they're like... How did this kid know this? But uh, even back when I was like nine years old, you know, my, my birthday is in June, end of June. I would get my birthday money. I'd go up street to the deli. I'd buy bacon and eggs. I'd make all my friends breakfast sandwiches and stuff. So like cooking for my friends was something that was just always so a uh, part of what I am. So obviously, if you eat extravagant, you put on weight. And as a kid, I was heavy. And then I had to learn how to lose the weight. And then once I lost the weight as a kid and I got into exercise and fitness and everything, I became a personal trainer. Mm. Then when I was a personal trainer, I started learning from all the personal trainers I worked with back in the day, New York Sports Club. My boy Joe Spano took me under his wing, taught me how to diet like a bodybuilder. And then once I started dieting like a bodybuilder, that's when I started making like insane physical transformations shredded abs jacked and then once that's when like it all started coming together so once i learned how to basically diet and live that lifestyle i applied my passion of food and cooking and then i just started helping people get those results they wanted and in the beginning it was really hard because you have to have an insane 
level of discipline to eat that way. And most people couldn't handle it. And then over the years, I learned that the custom diet plans and the competition, bodybuilder food, the audience was just not big enough to create a real scalable model. Right. And that's how, that's how eClean Bro evolved. It was kind of like you got to sell your truth and you got to sell your gimmick. So eClean Bro, you can get the heart, the most hardcore stuff on the planet. Or you can get like a low fat mac and cheese with like a low sugar, you know, shredded uh, chicken, barbecue chicken, which is delicious. It's a portion meal. It's calorie controlled. You're not going to walk around looking like Leonidas if that's all you eat, but it's still a much healthier option than say a sandwich. There are supply chain crisis issues happening right now, but I still think we, we use organic brown rice pasta for, for a lot of our dishes, which is awesome. Um, gluten-free, you know, so it's just been like a really long time. And I've been, I've been doing this since 2005. So there's been a lot of trial and error since then. That's like 17 years, you know, so I'm 35, right? 35. I've been doing this since I'm like 18 or whatever, 19, 18, 19. So I've been doing this a long time. A lot of ups and downs. And you've been through a lot of different, I guess, incarnations of the business I know. And you do mention the the taste factor. I think people also know that bodybuilders, as you mentioned, they have to be extremely restrictive. And I think that is where the idea of eating clean for the public, they may think that means I don't get to enjoy what I'm eating. It's like, you know, a chicken breast with nothing on it. But so you have modified that for the consumer market, as you're saying. So the difference with that is now you're saying people can still eat healthy, not be overly restrictive, but they can sort of have a good balance of both with eat clean, bro. Yeah. So I'm self-taught and all the food, like I wouldn't call myself a chef. I could hold my own. I can cook. I can really cook. But as like a chef is concerned, you know, like I, I don't have traditional education culinary wise. Right. I have later on got the education specifically. The most concerning is food safety, food handling. Those are the things I'm most concerned with because safety in my book comes first. Yes. In all aspects of my business. But when it comes to the chicken, when it comes to the rices, when it comes to the vegetables, the potatoes, these are just fundamentals executed correctly. So sweet potato, for example, if you take that sweet potato and you roast it correctly and you let the natural sugars come out of it and then you mash it, you don't need to add a ton of sugar. You don't have to add sugar at all. If it's cooked correctly, it's going to be perfect. Mm. Same thing with the chicken, man. You cook it low and slow, you retain that, you know, that moisture and you bite into a, a juicy piece of chicken. And essentially, you know, we'll salt the meats. The meats get salted, but then we try to, you know, balance out the sodium in the meal through like, you know, the, the rice doesn't need to be salted crazy and neither does the vegetable. So mm -hmm. you, you can have that nice piece of chicken with your sides and your salt intake is still dramatically less than any of the other options you'd eat in America. My uncle, my uncle Tom is a perfect example. His, uh, so my aunt had, I think she got like cancer in the spine. She died relatively quick. It was a, it was sad. He's on his own. I lost his wife. So I said, listen, uncle Tom, I'm going to start sending you meals. He had like high blood pressure. He had all these things that were wrong. And I said, well, what are you eating for lunch? You know, he's like, you know, I have like a ham and cheese sandwich with uh, with mustard. And I'm like, man, like number one, the salt and all, and just bread, ham, cheese, all that. And then the mustard. So we started sending him meals. And within like a couple of weeks, 
his blood work started like miraculously turning around. And these are stories I don't usually share at all because I don't want to make bogus claims. But you, like you said before, I know that the food works. I know that I'm out here helping people. I know that I'm I'm saving lives, and I know I'm helping. I know I know for a fact I'm helping people because let's face it, if if I wasn't, I would I would have been uh, debunked and. People would have moved on from Eat Clean Bro already. It's been close to ten years. Yeah, you've been at, you've been at it for a while, definitely. And I think um, the proof is in the pudding, so to speak. And um, I think you mentioned America, like the food that we eat here in general, is just so in many cases full of all these fillers and additives and sodium. Um, when you read the ingredients, it's a little terrifying. And that's really what made me start to currently start to look for a prepared food service because I actually became conscious of the labels and they are pretty terrifying. But I do want to ask you one thing though. Your business began 2006. There's a great story, right? So you, the story I would love for you to share is how you it began basically with a stranger giving you a compliment in the yeah. gym. And then that sparked, really that became the catalyst for everything. So please share that story and how it ended up becoming the catalyst for Eat Clean Bro. Yeah, I believe it was around like March, April, 2005. I don't remember the exact date when the locker room transpired, but <laughs> the guy, you know, I was training for a bodybuilding show. I was in great shape, shredded. And he just was approaching me in the locker room was like, holy man, like, what do you eat before Instagram and before social media? I was pretty shredded. And, uh, and when, in real life, I mean, now you see shredded people on the internet all day long, but it was, you know, people stopped me and wanted to know what I was eating. So I just said, uh, you know, man, I'm eating, you know, chicken, sweet potatoes, broccoli. And he's like, can you make me some? <laughs> and I was thinking, well, all my money that I make personal training goes to food because most bodybuilders, you know, the real bodybuilders out there are all broke. You know, all their money goes to the gym mm -hmm. and the food and the supplements and what goes into being a body. It is very expensive. Like, it's expensive to look good. Like it just is like you're eating a ton of protein, you know, you're spending all day doing cardio, working out. And it's, it is like a massive uh, commitment. So I was like, all right, man, I'm thinking, I'm like, um, all right, dude, I'll do you. I'm like, yo, just give me like three bucks a meal. You know, those 2005 prices, which God, <laughs> I'd do anything yeah, to have those right, back. Right. So I got, I took his, like, I took the money. I went, I bought the food, started cooking and I showed up the next day with like six ounce pieces of chicken, rice, sweet potatoes, and broccoli portioned out in Ziploc bags and uh, told him, hey, man, here, you know, here it is. And he started eating it. And then the next day he said, hey, you know, uh, Sean and um, Ned, they want the meals. And I said, you know, listen, man, I could keep you at three, but your boy's got to pay five. There you go. And then I was in business. So it was a total accident. It was a total accident. I love that. That's amazing. And then, but the thing that like resonated with me was that when I was a personal trainer, you know, it was like a hundred dollars an hour to train with me. I got 22, the gym got 78 and I felt like, wow, like I'm being middle, like everyone's being here. <laughs> so I don't want to do this. Like, I don't, I want to, I would train people for free. And a lot of times I did. That's why at New York sports club, I always would get in trouble because I was always helping people for free. Yeah. I was like, I felt like, Hey, look, some people really need this. And I felt like morally obligated to help these people. Now, when I started cooking meals, I was thinking, wow, like this is an honest living. I am using 
ingredients I would eat myself. This is food I would feed my grandmother, food I'd feed my mother. Now I'm sharing this with people and they're buying it. And it's a, it's an honest living. It's like a, I'm getting, I'm providing a great value and I'm saving people money and I'm helping people eat better. So that was like the true passion that ignited the why or the, you know, which gave me that like incredible, just, I couldn't live without it. It was the only thing that felt right and I couldn't do anything else. And that's what kept me going. So like over the years from 2005 to 2013, I fell on my face a bunch of times and ultimately I gave up mm. in 2012 around her like hurricane Sandy time in 2012, yeah. I, I gave up. So after like seven years of failing, I just realized like, dude, I don't have the capital. I don't have the business experience. I just, I don't have what it takes to do this. And, um, I threw, I threw the towel in I gave mm. up. I went looking for a job. No one would hire me. I got extremely discouraged. And then January 13th, 2013, man, the same guy who asked me what I ate in the locker room that I was selling $3 meals to calls me out of nowhere, asks if I'm still cooking. I was living at my buddy Paul's house at the time. I remember I'm sitting on the floor looking at the wall. I put the palm over my phone and I'm like, yo, Paul, you think your parents care if I cook at their house? <laughs> and he's like, he's like, no, nah, man. He's like, do it. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, Matt, of course I'm still cooking, bro. What do you guys want? So then I took like a quick, I put a quick order together with him and the guys he worked with. And over the years, seven years of doing this, I've built a little Rolodex of business. So I went through my phone. Everybody saved food. I'm like, yo, I'm cooking. I'm cooking. You know, do you want food? Like I'm, I'm back, right? You're you announcing that you're back. Yeah. yeah. So I think I did like 85 or 84 something ridiculously low. I did a, put that order together. I took, you know, my last $300 I made from bartending that weekend and I went to ShopRite, man. I started cooking. My back was up against the wall, dude. I didn't have any other options. I knew that there was nothing else I could do. I knew there was no other way for me to get a job or make a living. And I put my entire heart and soul into this business, man. I so, love that. I love that. And then a lot of times people like hearing about the lucky breaks so six months into the business, I had juggled all over the place. When I was, when I was cooking out of my buddy Paul's house, I, I had been in an explosion. <laughs> so that scared the shit out of me. And then I started saying, hey, look, I, I need like to get Like a cooking explosion, you mean? Or you mean like an explosion of like business? An explosion. Yeah. I thought my thought I blew my thing off, you know, my man part thought that oh. I blown off. I got a huge gash in my leg. My face was on fire. Yo, still to this day, I'm scared to light a grill because I was in an explosion and it blew up. The kids' uh, kitchen got blown up. I had to put everything back together. And then from there, <laughs> you move on again. I was more worried about Paul's house, his parents who were letting me get on my feet. You know, this family's helping me get on my feet and I just blew up their whole kitchen. So I was more worried about, you know, my eyebrows will grow back. My eyelashes will grow back. I was more like, yo, let me put the kitchen back together, which I did. And uh, hysterically enough, man, no one ever noticed that that explosion occurred. But it was crazy, man. It was like the fire. It just, dude, it. It was insane. It, it was an insane explosion. Uh, I don't. I don't wish. I don't wish anyone to be in the middle of an explosion, man. It was. It was insane. But anyway, I get in with Sean. Sean introduces me to Arvin, 
at the time, Arvin liked me, but I got in through Arvin because I used to cook. I still cook for Mike. So I was friends with Mike, the situation before Jersey Shore. I was cooking for his family and his brother, Frank, would hoard all the containers. So Arvin already knew about me. Like the thing is in Jersey, I had a lot of street cred in Jersey. So like before Instagram, before Facebook, people knew me, people knew I cooked Mm -hmm. meals and it was like a, it was like a drug deal, you know, hit up Jamie, (laughs) he'll get you meals. And people would like, people would text me on the phone and that's how, that's how like kind of I got my start. So I always say that I had the street cred before Instagram. Instagram made me a, made me like a local hero, but the word on the street was out and people knew Jamie. So Arvin knew me, heard of me. And Arvin was always really good to me. And Arvin was and Arvin was on the Jersey Shore a couple of times too, the show, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, that's what I thought, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So Arvin, uh, Arvin was always really good to me. And then because of my, my work ethic and because I, I would never say no, Arvin would hit me up at like 2.30 in the morning, 4.30 in the morning. Jamie, I need uh, I need grilled chicken. I need the big asparagus, honey. Like he, he would be throwing all types of shit at me. And I, I'd be like, Arv, I'm like, dude, I'm going to get you that. I'm like, he's like, when, when's the or- earliest you can get me the chicken? And I'm like, uh, like ShopRite opens at 6 a.m., dude. It's 4.35 right now. Yeah, I'll go to the store. I'll cook it. I'll get it in the box. I'll get it. I'll be at Jersey City at like 11.30. But like, you know, it's 4.35 right now. I really can't do anything till like 6. So I'm like, you know, take me this much time to cook, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, all right, good. I'll see you at 11.30. And like, he would just throw curveballs at me left and right, but I would take all of them and he loved it. And then he started throwing me bones. And then, and then I started cooking for all the most influential fitness people in the industry at the time. And then Massey, she was Manco fit at the time. She was a part of shreds. She had the biggest fitness page at the time. She was the biggest. Yeah, fitness she's amazing. Account. Like her body is crazy. She is. She is amazing. Heart of gold. And she, she liked me. So she said, you know, one day I get a, one day I get a call. She goes, Jamie, I got you your first celebrity client. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. She's like, yeah, Lala wow. Anthony. And I'm like, wow. And I got to tell you, man, like God had to have been with me because Lala is probably the greatest person you could ever be friends with. Like she is selfless. I owe her my life, dude. So when she introduced me to Lala, uh, you know, Lala and I became friends. I started cooking for her. I started helping her. So every time I got an opportunity, I used it as an opportunity to grow and to raise the bar. And then once Lala shouted me out, I, I went viral, dude. I had like 40,000 followers in 24 hours. Everybody wanted to know who's E-Clean Bro, right? Because Lala and Carmelo, they have a f-ing chef inside their house, right? Why are they ordering E-Clean Bro? And that was just a lot of buzz in New York. And then that's when I started blowing up. I mean, then I was in uh, Angie, who's Beyonce's cousin. I'm at Parkwood Entertainment, dude. I'm in Beyonce's conference room. I'm made friends with uh, Dr. Oz. He's going off the deep end politically, man. So I don't, I don't know if I should bring his name up. But <laughs> well, listen, um, you know what? He he's a celebrity, so we'll just leave it at that. At the time, man, he's a kingmaker, dude. So when I was on Z100 with Dr. Oz, that was another. That was like another la la moment. Yeah, well, and Z100 is such a major station to begin with. It's a general to be on there. So I got like. I got real hooked up with like New York radio and it was funny because I was like, yo, I remember being a kid, listening to all these guys. I remember like, I'm still, I still cook for sus one. So like, I love hip hop. I love rap. So cooking for all these guys is cool. And then like, you know, DJ Khaled, Rick Ross, 
Yes. And then we cook for Michael B. Jordan for his, uh, for like whenever he's on the East coast filming. So like I've cooked for some of the most famous people alive. And when you look back though on that, isn't that amazing? Like the whole idea about the tenacity and that is why I thought your story was so impressive and amazing to share because so many times people do not start again. You know, they, they, they throw the towel in and they don't recover. They don't trust their instincts enough to give it a shower. They, they've tried three times and like, well, that's it. I'm done. But you know what? Try a fourth, try a fifth, try a sixth. If you really, really believe in that thing, right. That you want to do, you will not, there's no amount of times that you will attempt it. That's what I think. And I think you're a good example of that. I just, dude, I, I would do this for free, you know, for the first seven years I did do it for free. It's just something I cooking and it's just like, even though I gave up in 2012, it was like, I just needed the smallest nudge to start back up again. And, and that phone call did it. And had I not got that phone call, I don't know. I don't know. It seemed like there was a lot of things were going in my favor. Like planets aligning perfectly for you at that time, right? Yeah, yeah. But it's a crazy time right now, dude. Like COVID was so like I said, so like now before we started sort of recording, now it's almost like a reset phase where it's like, all right, you look at what was working before COVID, you look at what was going on during COVID and now po- like now I guess we're out of the COVID, but Now it's like, yo, we have to rethink Mm -hmm. everything. Everybody does food delivery now. Everybody's an online business. How do we differentiate ourselves? Like what's stopping Wegmans from just copying my menu and selling everything I sell for two or three dollars? And so that is a good question. What I mean, how do you or how have you addressed that? What because you really can't stop them from doing that. So why would a person still say, you know what? I don't care if Wegmans does it, ShopRite, Acme, any of those guys, I'm going with eat clean, bro. Why would they go and stay with you instead? I'm hoping that people care about the charitable stuff I do every day. But then again, so could Wegmans. You know, Wegmans could cut a check to uh, St. Jude's for a million dollars, right? So that is a loaded question, brother. Like you have to stay true to who you are. You have to be grateful. There's always room for a good business. There's always room for a good entrepreneur. So five questions. Are my employees happy? Are my customers happy? Are my meals being delivered on time? Is my price right? Is my food good? And like those five questions in that order, I just, it's yes or no. And if any of those are no, I get to work immediately to fix it, to get it back to yes. Awesome. Words of wisdom. Very poignant. Thank you, Joey Giovanazzo, founder and owner of Eat Clean Bro. And thank you so much for joining me today on Motivational Mondays, man. I really appreciate it. And I think, again, everyone, you know, support local businesses, support smaller businesses. And Eat Clean Bro is definitely one of those to consider. So thanks for being here. Thank you, brother. Thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Motivational Mondays presented by the National Society of Leadership and Success and available wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I'm Corey Andrew Powell, and I'll see you again here next week.